Hi, good, good to see you all. Good to be here with you all. Um, tonight, I'd like to talk about Sampajana. Sampajana and Sampajana is a Pali word. Um, it's translated, mostly it's translated as clear comprehension. But it has a number of other translations which I find really helpful and important. So Sampajana means clear comprehension. Sampajana also means fully attentive, fully attentive. Sampajana also means clearly knowing, clearly knowing. It also, Sampajana is sometimes translated as fully aware. So I hope you can hear how all of these become part of what we're doing here when we're practicing both on the cushion or as in, in our meditation, but also off the cushion. This becomes part of being mindful. And then the uh, other translation, which I just found today, I, I looked in an old book I have. I have a very old Buddhist dictionary and, um, and that I've, that's from 1988. And, uh, and when I looked up Sampajana, it said clarity of consciousness clarity of consciousness and I, I love that as an understand then it said clear comprehension and so it's um, it's a beautiful understanding of what we're developing here as we meditate and what we want to function with as we practice in the world with with a clarity of consciousness where we're fully attentive to our life and clearly knowing what's needed to be known, being able to comprehend what's important, and being fully aware in the moment so that full awareness can really um, nurture that clarity of consciousness that's knowing what's going on. And, and uh, clear comprehension is the first place I read about it, from the Buddha was in the Satipatthana Sutta. And it's a quality of mind that's linked with mindfulness. And uh, the quality of Satipatthana um, um, refines the meditative process, but it also enhances our practice in the world. So it facilitates knowing what is taking place in the moment. And it allows us to act in full awareness, which is also one of the ways uh, Sampajana is understood. And then to function clearly, knowing in all activities what's true, what's not true, or what's skillful and what's not skillful. And so it can, it, as, as we start to metabolize this component of what it is to be aware, what it is to practice the four foundations, it really starts to become a foundation of practice. Uh, and, and Sampajana in this way brings a certain kind of investigation and, um, uh, and, and guidance and excuse me, a certain kind of um, investigation and really wisdom to mindfulness. 
And I'll say a little more about it traditionally, and then I'll say a little bit more about it not so traditionally. But traditionally, there's four guidelines for, for uh, Sampajana, for clear comprehension. And the first is knowing the purpose of our actions knowing the purpose of our actions. And we want to know why are we acting and, and however we're acting, whether it's in meditation, like why are we focusing on the breath? I, I know why, and I know why we focus a lot. I thought it'd be really good to, um, to get really more concentrated, excuse me, and stay very close to the simplicity of the breathing itself. And just that one, because that builds a certain uh, collectedness that is related to samadhi. And um, so knowing the purpose of our action, both in meditation and in our life. And of course, that brings certain questions that brings the investigative factor into play. And of course, you, I don't know about, of course, many of you know that investigation is one of the seven factors of awakening, a very important factor. And so it, the, the question that comes up about uh, the purpose of our actions is, is it for the benefit of ourself? And is it for the benefit of others also? And so it's more than simply being present. But Sampajana, it includes our reflection on our motivation for doing something. And motivations can be really different or, or um, complex. And there can be all kinds of overlapping motivations. And we want to see what is it to cultivate wholesome motivations or unwholesome motivation where what when is that coming forward and can we recognize what's wholesome or what's skillful or what's unwholesome and what's unskillful and of course to do that brings forth all kinds of dharmic brightness because it calls for an interest in our experience and a clarity and also an honesty to see what is our motive and also what's behind our motive and what is wholesome and what is unwholesome in both meditation and life uh, is conditioned by the state of mind or heart that is part of our experience or by our beliefs or our understandings or by our beliefs and our misunderstandings. And I, I saw a quote from Saito Utejaniya that came was sent to me uh, yesterday or the day before it's, he said, he said, why does a wholesome mind arise? Why does an unwholesome mind arise? What is this unwholesome or unwholesome mind? Why does a wholesome mind decrease or fade away? Why does an unwholesome mind fade away? This is the field of our research, says Saira Utejaniya. This is part of the investigative process of the Dharma. 
So this clear comprehension, knowing the purpose of our actions, is it a benefit for ourselves and others? And can we make choices that support wholesomeness or skillfulness and let go of choices that, that support the opposite, unwholesomeness or unskillfulness in, in our meditation practice and in our life? because it is possible that we can continually learn to make wiser choices in this moment, because each moment is brand new. And we have that beautiful gift from, from reality to be alive and to have the opportunity to see what's true now and how do I wanna respond and what might be skillful and what might be unskillful in how I might respond to this moment. Thich Nhat Hanh said it this way. He said, Buddhism is a clever way to enjoy life. It's a great line. Buddhism is a clever way to enjoy life. Happiness is available. Help yourself to it. And it points to the proactivity of Dharma practice. It's not just passive. It's not just receptive. Receptive is very important for understanding what's true and seeing clearly what's here, having clear comprehension, but it's not just um, passive. So part of the reflection that comes with uh, Sampajana is on motivation and motivation opens to deeper motivations, which is bodhicitta really, or, or really seeing we're practicing for ourselves and we're practicing for all beings. We're practicing for others. And it's really important to start to taste that truth of what we're doing here in the Dharma, at SFI, at Spirit Rock, in our lives, on retreat, at home, living our lives. And the Dalai Lama, who is He's a, he's, he's a beautiful being, the Dalai Lama. He said this, he's so humble. He said, speaking of my own experience, I sometimes wonder why a lot of people like me. <laughs> and if you've ever been around the Dalai Lama in person, it's hard not to like him. He's fun. But he said, speaking of my own experience, I sometimes wonder why a lot of people like me. When I think about it, I cannot find in myself any specially good qualities, except one small thing. That is the kind heart which I try to explain to others in which I do my best to develop myself, right? So he can find one thing that you might like him for, which is the kind heart, which he tries to explain and teach others, and which is he does his best to develop himself. And then he goes on to say, and being very real, which the Dalai Lama is, he says, of course, there are moments when I do get angry, but in the depth of my heart, <clears throat> I do not hold a grudge against anyone. I cannot pretend that I am able to practice bodhicitta, but it does give me tremendous inspiration. Deep inside me, I realize how valuable and beneficial bodhicitta is. 
And so you hear, you know, probably one of the more awake people alive on this planet and his humility about practice and about bodhicitta, which is the motivation to practice for ourselves and really all beings. And he's, and, and, you know, but he's inspired by that potential. And so we don't have to use something like bodhicitta to judge ourselves or beat ourselves because it's part of the practice very clearly in the Tibetan tradition, but it's also very clear in the tradition that SFI comes out of, which is the Theravadan tradition, which is there's an altruistic motivation in the Pali Canon, which is the teachings of the Buddha, of the elders, you know, the oldest known teaching that's been existent um, since the time of the Buddha, uh, right? In the Pali Canon, there's all these encouragements to practice for one's own welfare and for the welfare of others, is how it's put in the Pali Canon. And it's the same heart, it's the same heartfulness, the wish for our own well-being and the wish for the well-being of others. <clears throat> So the first guideline of uh, of Sampajana is about purpose. Then the second guideline is about the suitability of an action. Like when there's clear comprehension, we want to know, we want to see, we want to understand, is it the right time, the right context? Will it have the right impact? because we could have a wholesome intention, but it might not be the right time to do it. And uh, I was talking with Joseph Goldstein about this, and, and uh, he was, told me a story about Munindraji, which was his first teacher. And Munindraji, we, they were in India together, and Munindraji would haggle with, uh, with the merchants over um, uh, nuts that he was buying and, and some seeds that he would eat and buy and he would haggle with them and he would yell back and forth with them and and Joseph who was a young man at that time he thought well what is this really my teacher is that who I want to study with this guy who fights with a guy over a few cents you know in the marketplace and Munindraji said a beautiful thing to him. He said, the practice of Dharma is to be simple, not a simpleton. And it's really part of our practice to be simple, but also to be aware, to be awake, to see clearly, to comprehend fully, to have a, 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 a uh, a clarity of consciousness, a comprehension of consciousness that understands what's true and what's needed in the in what's suitable in the specific setting that we're in. What's what's appropriate in whatever setting we're in, and it's it's true for all of us. But just to look and see how we relate, because he's talking about relationship. You know, when I'm going to Safeway to buy whatever, some bananas or something, 
I'm not trying to give Dharma talks to the people who are at the counter, right? I'm trying to just say, hi, how are you? Here, here's my money and go, because that's what's suitable at that time. And then if somebody says something to me and asks me a question about something, because sometimes people know that I'm a Dharma teacher, then I might give an answer. But I would only give it if it's the right time in the right place and the right, it has the right uh, appropriateness or suitability for that action. And the same is true, not just in, but like with my daughter, I would love to teach my daughter the Dharma. She's, she's interested in it, but she needs to find her way. It's right, not totally suitable most of the time for me to say much. Every once in a while, it's the right action. But, but many times it's not. And so that's also part of Sampajana, about clear comprehension of appropriateness. And then the third guideline that is given is the knowing the proper domain for, for um, responding or, or for acting in some way, the proper domain or the proper realm. In Pali, the word is actually field or pasture. And so it's the, uh, it's the having a clear comprehension of the proper field of our practice. And, and, that's, and it's similar to suitability. It's like, oh yeah, Safeway is not the, Safeway is the proper place for practice. It, and, and my daughter is also the proper place for practice, but it's not the proper place for me to teach, which is different. So the proper domain. And so what does it mean proper place to practice? When, and, re, and classically it means when are we just lost in thinking and feeling and reacting and, and things like that, instead of being mindful of thinking or being mindful of our emotions or being mindful of our intention or being mindful of our motivation, instead of just acting and, re and reacting to things. So, so part of what this means about the proper um, uh, uh, domain is not to get lost in sense experience, but be mindful of it. Be mindful of our senses. Be mindful of our feelings. And so then, so then the the improper domain is being lost in the five senses of really six senses, but, um, you know, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, feeling, cognizing. It's all, it's all happening and it's, and we get lost in it and, and the proper domain or the proper, uh, the, um, the embodiment of, of Sampajana means that the four foundations of mindfulness are present so that we're ardent, clearly knowing and mindful of the experience that we're responding to.
And the last guideline that we're encouraged to be aware of in Sampajana is called clear comprehension of non-delusion. Right? Because delusion is a distortion of our perception. And the main distortion that is talked about in Buddhism is called Sakya Ditti, Sakya Ditti. And Sakya Ditti is the identity view of I, me, and mine. And it's a very tricky component to be aware of and start to practice with because the way people interpret it, interpret it in, a, in a slightly um, unintegrated way is to say there's no self. And what it means is that there is an ego self there. We all have a self that's, that's an egoic self. That's very normal, but also we see that behind everything, behind the five aggregates of seeing, you know, feeling, tasting, touching, be behind, you know, form, feeling, perception, formations, and consciousness, there's nothing there, actually. It's all doing itself. And it's the wildest thing. And that's why it's hard to know. That's why there's a lot of distortion of perception or what's classically called delusion right thoughts sensations emotions we identify with the observer even as if that's me <coughs> and it's a very 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 strongly held belief that I am having this experience. Everybody get that? Everybody, it's very normal. It's not a bad thing. It's very normal. But we just want to look a little deeper because it's such a strongly held belief that we really, we're, we're, it's very certain. We're very certain about it. And, uh, Somebody, somebody told me this aphorism. It said, certainty is not an indication of truth. Certainty is not an indication of truth, even though it feels like real, like, oh, I'm here. I'm the one who's seeing, I'm hearing, I'm thinking, I'm feeling. And yet that's what we're taught from day one. Oh, you, you're thinking, you're feeling, that's your body, your sensations. And on a relative level, on a conventional level, that's true, that's normal. But there's another level of reality that the Dharma is gifting us with and pointing us to, that it's a little deeper, that it's all happening on its own. And the I or self or mind behind the experience, that's just a certain very deeply rooted perception of ourselves that we want to investigate. And in, in the text, the Buddha says to see with proper wisdom, this is not I, this is not mine, this is not myself. It's all life happening spontaneously. And we can't own it is maybe the easiest way to say it. And also we can't control it. 
we can have skillful input to it. We can see and act with wisdom. And I'm going to say one more thing about about Sampajana, uh, uh, Sampajana, um, because it's somewhere else. It's it's in the four foundations. I guess I didn't even read it to you. I should read you. Here's the, the beginning of the four foundations. What are the four? Uh, he's. It's the introduction. The Buddha is introducing this, the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of Nibbana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. And then he says, what are the four? Here, bhikkhus. And a bhikkhu is anybody who's a sincere practitioner of this path, which means all of you, right? And um, uh, a, a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. And then he goes on, he continues, one abides contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. One goes uh, contemplating the mind as mind, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. One goes, one continues contemplating mind objects or dharmas as dharma, ardent, fully aware. Fully aware is the, is uh, sampajana. And so it's right there in the beginning of the four foundations of mindfulness. And then it's also, as you go into the first foundation of mindful of the body, there's a whole section on clear comprehension or, or, um, uh, Sampajana, but it's also called that section in in the book that I'm looking at from Bhikkhu Bodhi is called full awareness, one who acts in full awareness, and then he describes it this way: a bhikkhu, a practitioner, is one who acts in full awareness, one going forward and returning, who acts in full awareness, one looking away and looking ahead who acts in full awareness when flexing and extending one's limbs, who acts in full awareness when wearing one's robes and carrying one's outer robe and bowl, who acts in full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming foods, tasting, who acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating, who acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful understanding of what Sampajana is. It's full awareness of each moment. It's clearly comprehending each moment. It's fully knowing what's happening now in this moment. It's having a clear comprehension of, of consciousness. Or it's as as in this book, it's a clarity of consciousness that we're abiding in and living from at the same time. Well, I love seeing the dogs in your room. That's great. Um, and anyhow, I'm just going to finish. But that section that I was just reading about um, full awareness—you know, going forward, moving one's limbs, 
wearing one's clothes, full awareness, eating, drinking, consuming food, going to the bathroom, one acts in full awareness from walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, keeping silent. It goes on, and the end of that is in, in this way, one abides contemplating the body as a body, or feelings and feelings, or the mind in the mind, or dharmas in the dharma, both internally, externally, both internally and externally, one abides contemplating, I'll just use body, um, and as it arises or as it vanishes, or abides contemplating the nature of, of the body arising and vanishing, or else mindful that there is a body is simply established in one to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness, and one abides independent. One abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. This is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body, feelings, mind, dharmas, moment by moment by moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.